Father, we are very grateful for how you lead us, for how you sent Jesus to rescue us, and you give us the Holy Spirit, and you lead us still. Lord, we pray that we would be humble people who get to know your voice and follow you. Help us as we look into your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're continuing, continuing this sermon series here entitled I Am, in which we're looking at the I Am statements of Jesus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6 through 15, we see a bunch of these statements. We've already looked at ones like, I am the, the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Um, those two, bread and light, those are things that we, we deal with every day of our lives. Food and light contrasted with hunger and darkness. Think of just how many times per day we, we think about those things. Well, today the imagery is going to be of shepherding. And uh, shepherding is maybe a little bit less familiar to us. So I'm going to try to help explain some things along the way. But today in John 10, we're going to look at these sayings of Jesus in which he says, I am the gate for the sheep and I am the good shepherd. Now again, the point of this sermon series is that we would get to know more about who Jesus is and that we would follow him. Now, some of us have been walking with Jesus for a long time, and that's great. Let's keep listening to him. Let's keep following him. Others, maybe you're newer at this, and I want to encourage you that it's worth it to keep following Jesus. He is, he is good at leading. He is, like it says, the good shepherd. Now, 2,000 years ago in Israel, shepherding was a very common image, both from the Old Testament scriptures, which they knew well, and from their daily lives. They, there were just a lot of sheep around. And so they, when Jesus talked about being a gate for the sheep, people knew what he was talking about. When he said good shepherd, people knew all sorts of things about what it means to be a shepherd. Now, we might be a lot more familiar with illustrations about smartphones or baseball or things like that. Um, so I want to try to help explain the analogy a little bit. Also, there's a, a difficulty in John 10 for some people because partway through the chapter, almost without warning, Jesus changes the illustration. I've got them both up there. First of all, he says, I am the gate for the sheep, and then he says, I am the good shepherd. Well, which one is he? Is he somehow both? Is there a, a gate that's also a shepherd? Well, I, I don't think so. I think what's going on here is that Jesus is mixing his metaphors. He's using the, the common metaphor of shepherding, and, and he's using two different parts of it. Let me use a, an illustration from today's world. I want you to picture a businessman coming up to you and saying, I have one project going on in which I'm swinging for the fences, but I have all these other projects in which I'm trying to cover all the bases as well. Now, if you listen carefully, you notice he mixed his metaphors because swinging for the fences is something you do on offense in baseball, and covering all the bases is something you do on defense. He's not trying to tell you that he's working against himself. He's just using two very common metaphors, and we get his point. He's got one project going on that's really important, and he's got another, a bunch of other projects he still wants to keep his eye on. He used two different metaphors from baseball. And I think that's what's going on here in John 10, is that, that Jesus starts out with this shepherding analogy, and then uses one about him being a gate, and then another one about him being a good shepherd, and they teach us different things about who Jesus is. And, and I hope that we'll get the point as we walk through John 10. Now, if we wanted to add even more confusion, should we add more confusion? Might as well, right? Jesus also is talked about in the Bible as being the Lamb of God. So apparently he's also a sheep. He's a, he's a gate for the sheep, he's a good shepherd, and he's the Lamb of God. But it's okay. It's just all a bunch of different metaphors, and I think we'll get the point as we go through this. He's everything. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. He's our all in all. So for now, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. I plan to walk through this this 
section of scripture in four chunks. And then when I'm done, I want to give my big idea and then some application for our lives. So the first chunk we're going to look at is John 10, verses 1 through 6. Sorry, that got cut off a little bit there on the bottom. It does say John 10, 1 through 6 on there. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So in this section, we see some general descriptions about the relationship between a sheep and a shepherd, and also we see this talk about the sheep pen and the gate. Now, one of the things that we need to know about sheep is that they are needy animals. So I don't know a ton about sheep. I'm guessing there are others of you out there who don't know a lot about sheep. It's more than just going to Arby's and buying a lamb euro. There's more to it than that. So I thought what we would do today is we would invite up Jim and Karin Akri, and uh, they actually know a lot about sheep and shepherding. So I've I've asked them to come up, and uh, I've got the microphone here, and, uh, you know, everybody loves to get called up front and be handed a microphone, right? Um, So what I would like to ask of you guys, I just have three pretty simple questions for you that I'd like to ask. So you you guys raise sheep, that's not one of the three, but you guys raise sheep, right? Yeah, okay, good. So can you tell us a little bit about the kind of protection that sheep need? Why, why is it that sheep need to be protected so much? Well, you need a good fence. Um, we've had problems with wolves and coyotes, and, and uh, they can be pretty hard on sheep. So, How do sheep do it defending themselves against wolves and coyotes? Uh, they don't do very they don't well. Do, why, n- why not? <laughs> Aren't their hooves like no, weapons? They, uh, no. Pretty helpless animal. Okay, so it takes a shepherd to watch over them. Right. So we need a good fence, and they need to be close to the yard at night. Um, <laughs> we we had an instance where our guard llama was behind the barn, and it was screaming really loud, and about 20 feet from it was a coyote. Okay. Yeah. And they're very dangerous. They yeah. uh, will kick. Yeah. They will spit. Okay. And, uh, they, um, it scared it off, yeah. but it really taught me a lot about protection. Yeah. Did you say guard llama? Yep. I need to know more about that later. Okay. Um, <laughs> where do I get one? Well, they, if I can add, they are very good guard animals. Okay. One day I came home from work and looked out in the pasture and I found like what looked like a pitcher's mound. And in the middle it was something, and I had to go check it out. And here a llama had killed a kite, a, wow. a badger. Wow. It was a dead badger okay. in the middle of this 30-foot circle. But the sheep would not be able to do that. A badger against a sheep. That's not a good matchup for the sheep. Okay, second question. What about food? How good are sheep at finding their own food and water? What, what does a shepherd need to do there? Well, sheep are... Sheep will eat about anything. Goats <laughs> um, <laughs> will. Goats will, but I mean, sheep will do a nice job of cleaning up, and that's kind of why we probably started with sheep. Um, but obviously, in the winter time, they're pretty helpless. You have to provide for them, and um, they're a little bit like deer in the winter time, though. That they'll actually 
get by without water. <laughs> they like to eat the snow. Okay. Uh, but they eat a lot of hay. Yeah. And uh, you know the, uh, the Old Testament imagery is of the the shepherd going and finding pasture for them. I would imagine because the sheep just aren't probably that good at knowing exactly where to go. They need to be led. Uh, I don't know if you know as much about that, but you maybe work more with, within your own pen than going on journeys with them. But, um, but that leads to the next question. Uh, it says in our passage today about how the, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. What have you found about that? Well, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, like when I feed the sheep, if I go out there and they're nowhere to be seen, it might be a half mile away, all I do is yell, Here should be! Here should be! <laughs> they know my voice, and they come running. And anybody else could do that, and nothing would happen. And uh, so they definitely look, learn your voice. In fact, they have out one end of it, they'll smell. So here's a picture. If you see, and here's Jim with the bucket going, here's sheep, here's sheep, all the way up the, here, up the hill, like Pied Piper, the yeah. whole herd followed him. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they even turned around. I knew they'd be right behind me. Yeah, nice. And they cattle and hogs. You chase them. You yeah. don't them. Yeah. But sheep, you lead them. Yep. And that actually becomes an imagery then of how our shepherd leads us. He, he goes ahead of us and leads us. So thank you very much. I appreciate uh, that insight. Things I didn't know. Guard llama. Okay. <laughs> um. When I think about this analogy now, I, I, there's a part of me that kind of thinks, sheep, really, come on, is that us? Like, are we really that needy? Like, sheep are animals that, that need shepherd, that need help. Do we walk around constantly just that much in need of help like sheep? Well, the answer, spiritually speaking, is yes, we do. We, we might think that we have this life kind of figured out, and we, we can get through life. Non-Christians all over the world can get through life. They can pay their bills. They can do their job. They can have friends and family. They can do all that stuff. But really, we, we are needy like sheep are. And I think that's why Jesus picked this analogy. The, the analogy carries so well in so many ways. So let's take a little bit of a look what's going on in verses 1 through 6. In verse 1, we see that the sheep need to be protected. That's the whole reason for the sheep pen and the gate, is that they need to be protected. And the watchman of verse 3 is watching so that only the proper shepherd can come in. And also we see about sheep in verse 3 that they need to be led because like we were talking about, sheep aren't that good at finding their own food and water. It's good for the shepherd to lead them to their food and their water. And I love that, that leading. In verse 3 it says, He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I was reading a theologian this week. He said at the very least, this is an individual call for the sheep. So there's this there's this uh, intimate relationship between us and Jesus in which he knows us, but then also it's a two-way street because we are to know the shepherd as well. We might think in today's terms, you might think of like some big sheep farm where it's you know, all industrialized and mechanized, but that's not the analogy here in John 10. The analogy is of a shepherd who knows his sheep and the sheep know the shepherd. And in verse 4, we see that the sheep follow the shepherd because they know his voice, and they won't follow a stranger, like it says in verse 5, in verse five, because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. I think it's pretty cool. It reminds me of another illustration. Our friends, the knights, 
They're, they're missionaries that, that our church supports. They live in Australia now. Uh, they have three kids, and they have a call for their kids. I want you to picture the night. Jay and Robin are the adults, and they have three kids. Picture them in a place where there's a bunch of people around, and their kids are kind of milling about, and it's time for the knights to go home. They actually have a call for their kids. It's based off of an Australian bird, I believe, but the call is this. Cooey! So they, one of them yells that call out in a group of people. The night kids, they hear that, and they know immediately to go to their parents. And I would think, think about like a, a big group of people and all the parents have their own calls. And, and if a kid hears one call but it's a different call, well, they don't have to come to that one because that's not their parents. But if they hear their call, the cooey call, then they have to come. And that's what's going on with the sheep here. They know the difference between their shepherd and between the thief or the robber. And that's going to be important as we go on later on in this, in this passage. The, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. So do you know the voice of Jesus? Do you know it so well that you've learned to figure out how he leads you? Those are important questions, and they're going to come up again in this passage. Although it's interesting, in verse 6, the people to whom Jesus was talking, they didn't understand what he was telling them. They, They didn't belong to him yet, and they didn't know his voice. So in the next section, there's an invitation then, verses 7 through 10. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep, All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, in some of your translations, it might say, I am the door of the sheep. Whether we're talking about a door or a gate, I don't think it matters. It's the same idea. And the idea is that Jesus is the one through whom the sheep can come in and go out and find pasture. That they can be protected and cared for. That's the whole point of the sheep pen and the gate, is this protection and this safety for the sheep. So the shepherd can know them and take care of them. Imagine shepherding without a gate. Now, Jim and Karen, how would that sound, to shepherd without a gate? That'd be pretty exhausting, I think. Um, there, although in, in Jesus' day, occasionally the, the shepherd would take his sheep on a journey. I've heard even up to like a couple of weeks' journey to go and find pasture in other places. But for the most part, I'm pretty sure those shepherds were glad to have the pen and the gate, especially at night, where those sheep could be all together and could be kept safe. Jesus is the gate for the sheep. And he said in verse 8, All whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. This is perhaps in reference to false messiahs who came and pretended to lead people to God. I think it could also refer today to, to all those other voices of deception that would try to lead us to go in the wrong direction. And let's follow the analogy. Jesus already talked about a thief or a robber who would try to come into the sheep pen by some other way, not through the gate. The thief or the robber would attempt to lead the sheep in the wrong direction with bad plans for them. But the true sheep of the shepherd wouldn't follow because they don't know that voice. They know the voice of their shepherd. You see, Satan works through lies. Therefore, he is going to be sending people into our lives to give us the wrong message. In fact, there's going to be all sorts of of wrong messages in this world that will tempt us to go in the wrong direction. Now, now we might think, oh, I'd never fall for that, but, but let's be honest with ourselves. Like I said in Sunday school, they call it temptation because it's tempting. Satan is going to try to deceive us. And it says in verse 10 that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But... He saves us always. Yeah. 
In verse 9, Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. There's an invitation. The, the language here is, is literally to whoever. Some of your translations, I think, say anyone. And I love this. That, um, this, this good shepherd is so good that the gate is open to all who would come to him, to all who would come through him. He is the gate. And I, I'd like to point out, and we'll see this as we look at John 14 next Sunday, that uh, Jesus is the only gate. He's the only way that we can be saved. No one can come to the Father except through Jesus. Just like sheep need to follow their shepherds, so we need to follow Jesus. He saves us. And if we look ahead to verse 11, we see specifically how he saves us. Actually, uh, both verse 11 and verse 15 mention how Jesus, as the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus died for us. Again, we think about this this sheep analogy. There was an attack that was coming against our lives. And, And this attack, spiritually speaking, was so bad that it would have meant eternal separation between us and God, that we, we could not have been with him. We could not have, have made it up to God. We couldn't do it on our own. But what we couldn't do, Jesus did for us in dying for us. So that's, that's why this, this good shepherd is so good. That's why this gate is so good, because he alone can save us from what stood against us. Jesus took our sin penalty upon himself. That's why we can say of him, like it says in John 1.29, that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. As the perfect lamb, he offered himself as the unblemished sacrifice for our sins. So that anyone who receives him can have complete forgiveness and eternal life. It's really a great deal for us sheep. And again, I just want you to know, especially on this point of our our spiritual neediness, just how needy we all are. We all need Jesus to rescue us. Again, the thief, in verse 10, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came so we may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to give us abundant life. I think some of your translations say abundantly there. And I remember hearing John 10.10 when I was in college, and it really stood out to me. This contrast between the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy and between Jesus who came that we might have abundant life. Do you know that God wants you to have abundant life? I think that some Christians get the impression that that God wants to lead us into a life that maybe we're not really going to enjoy all that much. Or maybe even some Christians have this idea that that God isn't very pleased with us, that he's just going to kind of give us the scraps every once in a while. But I want you to look at John 10, the end of it, verse 10, where it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God's desire for you is to have abundant life spiritually speaking. A a, a relationship with God that is full of joy and peace and contentment and love as you walk with the shepherd who loves you. It's such a great deal, such a great invitation that we have been given into abundant life. And and when I think about that abundant life, there's a part of me that thinks ahead to heaven and that's going to be abundant. But I actually think that this abundant life that God is calling us to is actually something we can have right now that we are to have full life right now. So think about your life right now. Is there anything that that doesn't feel full about it? And I just want you to go to your shepherd and talk to him about it and recognize his heart for you to have that fullness, that abundance that you can walk around in right now. Um, I want to go to Psalm 23. Brian mentioned it in the call to worship. It's one of the many places in the Old Testament where shepherd imagery is used. And I want to read the first four verses of it. Psalm 23, 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's a picture of a God who loves us and has good plans for us. Think about that. Does he have to lead us beside quiet waters or into green pastures? It's the heart of God to do this for every one of his children, to lead us into things that are good. God gives us what we need. It, it might not always be the things that we think we need or the things that we want, but God will give us what we need. As our good shepherd, he will take care of us. Let's move into that good shepherd analogy now in verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep, so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. So one of the reasons that Jesus can say that he's the good shepherd is because he lays down his life for the sheep. And he's talking here not only about his willingness to lay down his life, but also obviously about the fact that eventually he would literally lay down his life for us, that he died in our place. He is the good shepherd. He died to save us from sin and death. And the good shepherd here in these verses is contrasted with the hired hand in verses 12 through 13. The hired hand, when he sees the wolf coming, runs away because he doesn't care about the sheep. He doesn't own the sheep. He's just, he's just paid to take care of them, and it's not worth his life in, in his mind to lay down his life for the sheep, but not Jesus. He laid down his life for us. I think we all know what it means to give something less than our best at something. Have you ever been in that boat? Whether that's at work, it's a project you didn't do as well as you could have, or a, a school assignment that you didn't really give 100% on, or maybe even we think about a relationship, even maybe a relationship with somebody that we love and we're not giving our, our full effort in it. We often, all too often, can act like the hired hand, not really caring about the results. But Jesus stands in stark contrast to that. He is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He did this, as, a, as is implied in verse 14, because of the re relationship between Jesus and the sheep. He's the good shepherd. He knows his sheep, and his sheep know him. In fact, this relationship that we can have with Jesus, look at verse 15. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, we can know Jesus as Jesus knows the Father, and the Father knows Jesus. We are invited into this close, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, I ask, do you know Jesus? Now, the quick answer to that question is, yeah, yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah. But do you really know him? Do you know his voice? Do you walk with him? We were talking in Sunday school today about walking with him throughout our day, talking with him throughout our day. Knowing Jesus isn't just to like, yeah, I'll check in with you every once in a while. You know, every once in a while we, we send one of our kids to play with a friend and say, check in with us, everyone. It, it's not just about checking in, it's about doing life with God. And checking in can be part of that, but what we do is we walk around with Jesus in all that we do. 
He's our shepherd. He leads us. He goes ahead of us to lead us into what is good and right. Jesus also mentioned in verse 16 that there are other sheep that he was going after, other sheep who would listen to his voice. It reminds me of the parable of the lost sheep where Jesus left the 99 who were safe and well taken care of and he went to find the one that was lost. Jesus doesn't want any of them to be lost. And when he comes to those who are lost, those who are his sheep, they will also listen to his voice. And I think what we see here in verse 16 is a glimpse of the Great Commission. This is what Jesus is doing. He came to seek and to save the lost. And I was thinking about this. If he's our good shepherd and that's what he's doing, what should we do? We should follow him into that. So that becomes a huge part of our life goal then is that we would engage in the Great Commission as well. That means that if people don't yet know Jesus as Savior and Lord that we would help them come to know him. And that means that people do know Jesus already, that we would help them grow in their faith. Because that's what good shepherds do. And it's interesting, um, I I didn't want to spend a a ton of time on this, but this language of shepherding, the Apostle Peter picks up on it in the the letter of 1 Peter. And he talks about the chief shepherd, but then he also talks about this idea of how we are to be under shepherds. Those who are in in leadership positions in the church, we're, we're like under shepherds. So we're sheep, but we're also given the responsibilities every once in a while of, of leading other sheep. And if we're going to do that, we should do it the way that the, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd does it. We should follow his example, caring for the flock, not wanting any of them to be lost, not wanting any of them to, to suffer harm in an attack. So, so part of our call in this great commission is that we would actually be under shepherds, shepherding like the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And remember, this isn't something that we do on our own or, or even in our own authority. Jesus said in the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. So we don't, we don't do it in our own authority or in our own power. And we also don't do it alone because remember how the Great Commission ends. Jesus said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our shepherd is with us as we seek to walk with him and serve him. Okay, and then really quickly, um, from verses 17 through 18, um, in these verses, Jesus talked about how he would both lay down his life and take it up again. This is one of two places I know of in the Bible. The other one would be John 2:19, where Jesus talks about raising up his own life. Isn't that interesting? Usually we think about God the Father raising Jesus from the dead, but here, and in John 2, Jesus talks about being able to raise his own life from the dead. Now, I think what's going on here is that this has to do with the, the inner workings of the Trinity, so obviously there's some mystery involved in all of this, but I kind of think it's a neat thought that Jesus is able to raise himself from the dead. Okay, let's move on to our last section now, verses 19 through 21. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? It says in verse 19 that there was again division among the people in response to Jesus. It's a common theme in the book of John. As Jesus says and does these amazing, amazing things, people are divided. Some people looked at him and were like, hey, I don't want any part of what you're doing. Other people looked at this and said, whoa, maybe God sent him so that we should listen to him. Some came to the wrong conclusion that he was demon-possessed and raving mad. But isn't it interesting, in verse 21, there's like these other people, they're hearing people saying that he's demon-possessed, and like, wait a second, he actually seems pretty rational to me. And do you remember what he just did? For us, we look back to John 9, which we looked at last Sunday, where he healed that man who had been born blind. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? 
What's going on here? So you see how the people were divided. Jesus is so wise, so powerful, so important that every one of us needs to figure out who he is. And, and the best conclusion is to recognize that he's Savior and Lord. And that, that we are to give our lives fully to him. And I want to think about that, that term Lord really quick. I talk a lot about that. Lord means master. Let's think about this in regard to shepherding. I guess if, if Lord means master in the context of shepherding, it would mean that, that he's the shepherd who leads us. So for us to give our lives to Jesus as Lord means that we, we commit ourselves to going his way wherever he leads us. As, as sheep, we just go where he leads. Um, it's like we say to our kids sometimes too. You can, you can ask questions, but obey first and ask your questions as you're following. And that's what we do with Jesus. We give our lives fully to him. We go where he leads us. It might not always make sense to us, but we go where he leads us and we walk with him along the way. Some people said, why listen to him? I hope you know the answer to that. He's the good shepherd. He loves us and he leads us well. As we wrap up this sermon today, I want us to think about the two metaphors used. Jesus is the gate for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. Both of these word pictures, even though they're mixing metaphors, are about Jesus helping the sheep get to where they need to go. So my big idea for today, Jesus leads us where we need to go. Will we listen to his voice and follow him. We listen to his voice and follow him. It's interesting to me as we look back at each of the four sections that we looked at today, the word listen shows up in each of them. I, don't want, I want to walk you through that really quickly. In verse 3, it says the sheep listen to the voice of the shepherd. In verse 8, it talks about not listening to the thieves and robbers. In verse 16, it talks about the sheep listening to the voice of Jesus. And in verse 19, the people ask, why listen to him? There are going to be other voices in our lives. We've all heard them, right? If you hear voices in your head, it's actually somewhat normal because we all are tempted to go in the wrong direction. That's the way that the father of lies, Satan, tries to lead us in the wrong direction through deception, through things that might look good to us. So what do we need to do instead? What would a shepherd say? Get to know the voice of your shepherd, the one who cares for you, the one who loves you, the one who leads you into what is good. So what should we be doing? we should be getting to know the voice of our shepherd. What hope do we have of getting through this life on our own if we are not listening to the voice of the shepherd? Jesus leads us in ways that are good. And again, I think back to Psalm 23, this beautiful picture uh, of leading us beside quiet waters and into green pastures, of restoring our souls, of guiding us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That is how our good shepherd leads us. It's the voice of the shepherd constantly calling out to us. I was thinking about the book of Proverbs where wisdom calls out. The voice of God calls out to us. We hear it in Jesus. We hear it in God's word. We hear it as we walk with Jesus. Will we follow? Will we listen? Now what does that mean in 2019? We've talked a lot about the imagery of sheep today, but we're not sheep. We're human beings. What does it mean for us in our daily lives to walk around with Jesus, to listen to the voice of the shepherd? We don't eat grass. At least I don't. If you do, I'm not here to judge. But what does it look like for us to follow the shepherd and, and feast on the food that he has for us? Well, in our busy world, I pray that we will get good at listening to the voice of the shepherd. So how good are you at that? How good are you at listening to the voice of your shepherd and knowing where he leads you? 
I pray that we will intentionally put things into our schedules that will help us listen. Things like reading the Bible. Things like praying. Things like putting yourself around other believers who are going to be listening to God so that we can talk together about how God is leading us. I pray that we will constantly be putting things like that into our schedules so that our hearts can be reminded to listen to God. Although, let's remember, it's not just about showing up to church or a Bible study. It's not just about going through your list of prayers. It's not just about opening your Bible and reading it. It's about your heart, the humility of listening to your shepherd as he leads you, because that's what he does. And remember, as we walk on this path, we will be tempted to follow a different path. And and let's not kid ourselves about how we we think it won't be very tempting, because it will be tempting. And if it's not one temptation, it might be another. You know, it's interesting to think about all the sins we're really good at not doing, but what about those sins that we're we struggle with. Just because there's one sin that you're not really prone to, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be some other temptation that comes. And it might be pride. It might be while you're thinking about how great you're doing and not that this one sin and not doing it, it might be pride that pops up in your mind. How are we going to know? It's as we listen to the voice of the shepherd because he'll, he'll tell the sheep a good shepherd will tell the sheep when they're in danger and that's what Jesus does for us if we keep walking with Jesus he's going to point out the things in our lives that aren't right it might happen through a friend who says hey I've just kind of noticed if if your friend ever says that to you by the way please listen to what they have to say you're going to want to defend yourself listen to what they have to say if God puts his finger on your heart and says this isn't right please stop and listen it's the mercy of our shepherd to lead us like that We need Jesus. We need the protection that he provides for us as the gate for the sheep. We need the wisdom and the direction that he gives us as our good shepherd. Will you listen and follow? Again, that word listen shows up repeatedly. And that's just a tip for studying the Bible. When you see a word repeatedly show up throughout a passage, it might be that that's an important word. So the word here is listen. Are we listening to the voice of our good shepherd? And that doesn't just mean on Sunday morning. It means throughout our week. It doesn't just mean in your morning devotions or your evening devotions or whenever you have them. It means throughout your day. Are you listening to the shepherd? He's the only gate through whom we can be saved. He's the good shepherd who leads us into what will ultimately be good for our souls. We think that we know what might be good for our souls. Think of all the things that we pursue in life that we think might be good for us, but they aren't good for us when all the while our shepherd is leading us in a different direction in a way that will ultimately be good for our souls. Let's pray that we would follow. Let's pray that we would have the discernment to know the difference between the shepherd's voice and the other voices. As I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking about that word discernment. It's been a word that's been in my mind a lot lately because a couple of my favorite verses... Uh, you know, I've been through the, going through this project where I've been going through my favorite verses in the Bible, and a couple of them that were very near the top of the list had to do with discernment and not following the ways of the world. In Philippians 1.10, it's a prayer, praying that we would be able to discern what is best, that we might be pure and blameless. So you think about two paths that are set before us, and we might not know just by looking at them which one's the best one. So what do we do? We pray. We say, God, I need your wisdom. You, you think about that, whether it's a big life decision you have to make, or you think about it in regard to temptation. Whatever it is, there's a fork in the road, and I pray that we would have that discernment to listen to our, our good shepherd. Or there's another verse in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that it talks about not conforming to the pattern of this world, 
but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Think about all the, all the ways that the people of this world get off course. And as we see all the people of the world going in that direction, we're going to be tempted to think, well, it might be okay to go in that direction. But if it's not the direction that our good shepherd leads us, it's not going to be good for us. We all know that, right? Just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean it's right. So we are not to conform to the pattern of this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now I think about the good shepherd analogy. How do we get transformed? It's as we listen to the voice of the shepherd. So again, Jesus leads us where we need to go. Will we listen to his voice and follow him? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us. Jesus, thank you that you offered your life for ours. And I just pray that if there's anyone in here who doesn't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, that they would come to know him right now, that they would commit to following the good shepherd. And Jesus, again, we thank you for being the good shepherd. We thank you for being the gate through whom we can come in and go out and find pasture. God, I thank you for your heart to lead us into what is good. We shall never be in want as we follow you because you lead us into things that are so good. And even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we know that you are with us. So we praise you, God, for, for how closely you know us and for how closely you lead us and guide us. We pray that we would be humble people who listen to your voice, who follow you wherever you lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.